for epilepsy, there is hope. Hey podcast listeners, Tori Robinson here for Epilepsy Sparks Insights, a podcast about epilepsy, epilepsy research, common comorbidities and all of the fascinating science behind it. Whether you have epilepsy, are a family member, a neurologist, neuropsychiatrist, therapist, neurophysiologist, scientist or researcher, Epilepsy Sparks Insights is designed to help you learn more about epilepsy from the other side of the table. I'm a person with epilepsy and some missing brain tissue. I hope to help bridge the unnecessary gap between patients, the public and the aforementioned. Because epilepsy research and science are cool. In the last episode featuring Tolu Alanyan, we discussed her role as a learning disabilities nurse specialising in epilepsy and her work through Pretola Global Health Consulting, where she provides epilepsy training for clinicians and charities in low to middle income countries. This week on the programme, we're talking to Dr. Callie Seaman, who is a cannabis scientist, educator and campaigner, and is the co-founding director at Aqualabs. And do you know what? She happens to also have epilepsy. This is Dr. Callie Seaman. Who is from, what city are you from again, Kelly? Uh, Sheffield. I, I live in a town called Worksop, but it's Sheffield I come from. It's Sheffield Hallam I studied at. We can have people named do- or titled doctor in so many different subjects, and people presume you're a doctor of medicine. But tell us what you are. So, well, I, I went on a bit of a funny kind of route. I started off by doing a degree in biomedical sciences. That was my undergraduate. Worked for GlaxoSmithKline for a year and really disliked it completely. It wasn't that my cup of tea. Um, went into um, the hydroponic industry. Um, that is growing plants uh, without soil. So it's, it's using nutrients. And we uh, developed a company that produced the fertilizers that went into that. That's Aqualab. So, well, that was originally aquaculture that I used to work oh. for. So they were the ones who sponsored my PhD. Okay. That company went into administration. And then I started another company called Aqualabs from there. And we became a liquid nutrient manufacturer. And part of that, we went into the medicinal cannabis um, arena and started going into licensed cultivation facilities and helping to increase yields in there, looking at the... Uh, secondary metabolite, um, actual ratios that are there between the terpenes, the THC and the CBD and looking to perfect those and work with companies to help perfect those for particular diseases. Now we all know epilepsy, there's links there. And tell us about your relation to epilepsy, what led you down this particular road? Well when I was 15 I had my first grand mal um, I now look back and realise that when I was younger, I was having other fits. Did you feel any before when you actually look back at the, oh, that was an aura? Oh, gosh, yes. Mine was years before I was diagnosed. I was having them. Yeah, yeah. I was having focal seizures and absences, but nobody noticed for about at least four years. Oh, at least. Yeah. Sorry, carry on with your story. So age 15, I had my first grand mal at school. Uh, You know, ambulance comes down, the whole school sees that. Um, Rushed off to hospital. (laughs) Uh, Then uh, discharged very quickly. Had another cluster of fits that day. And um, yeah, was rushed back into hospital and was very quickly put onto clomazepine. I was very lucky. I had a father who was very open-minded and really he felt that we didn't get the it wasn't as well researched back this was in 1995 so this is last century a lot has changed hasn't it since then a huge amount has changed yeah 
Yep. We only had two kinds of seizures back then. Oh, gosh, it was petit mal and grand mal. And that was it. It was absolutely ridiculous. And now we know if people have been looking at our posts, there are about 60 different types of identified seizure, about 130 different rare epilepsies. And we know through research it is going to go through the roof. It's just going to get bigger, right? Yeah. Oh, one of the funniest ones I heard was someone runs. So they lose consciousness and start running. Oh, I, I know somebody like that, naked. Really? Yeah, I started stripping before in a seizure too. Oh, trousers with me. Every time, if my trousers are around my ankles, I'm probably having a seizure because it's just something I try and do. And I don't know why. It's nothing to do with thinking about wetting myself, though I do wet myself when I have a grandma. But um, yeah, trousers around the ankles, a couple of times. Good, darling. Yeah. <laughs> And, and actually, do you know what it taught me after I'd done that at work was always wear nice undies to work, always. And, you know, just be well presented because you just never know who's going to see what. That's all I can say. <laughs> it's that old saying, always wear clean pants in case you get run over. It's yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> anyway, so you had this delightful anti, you know, anti-seizure medication then, and your dad was cool about things. What did that lead to? He was not, he was not happy about that. They not really examined myself. They were very quick to put me on these and he introduced me to cannabis. Sounds shifty, but continue. Yeah. Well, I suppose back then it was, mm -hmm. um, but he would always make sure that I had a supply so that I was always consuming and my fits for, for 25 years, I didn't have a grandma. Well, mm, there are times I know I look back and I was certainly having auras. I certainly know that I've, if I'd passed out in the toilets, I'm not sure. I start to look back and think. Was I just being a bit weird or was I a bit like, mm. you just, it's hard to tell sometimes, I think, for lots of people. And they, and they get worried that they can't identify. So am I just having a moment that loads of people would have or is this a milder type of epileptic seizure it's hard right yeah is it an aura is it that feeling yeah. and and i've recently had a friend come to me bless her i knew her at school and she's had a first seizure and uh, the thing what i've been talking to her is go through that time before that seizure what were you feeling anything different was there a taste was there a, a light was there was there any you know visuals everything did your hands because my hands would go numb so i start to not feel my fingers but that point i think is very important to really understand that and really know that time so that if you can lucky enough i guess because I think we are lucky like because I'm like yourself I will get an aura prior to a tonic clonic um or even prior to a focal actually and I really feel for so many people out there who don't their, their brain just goes yeah sorry mate and that is yeah yeah not good <laughs> so you had your seizures um controlled well at least the majority of them as far as we're aware controlled for a t over 20 years yes. using cannabis yes and so it was illegal to do so at the time but in your mind and I can completely understand why it like I've reflected and thought if I knew that that was going to not have a negative impact upon me intellectually emotionally um but it would have controlled my seizures I'm thinking well maybe but obviously so this is how you got into your work today I guess that or that's whether was it conscious or subconsciously it steered you in this direction 
Well, yeah, subconscious to start off with and then realizing at 37 when I had that, you know, I had the grand mal that I was the, the point of smashing my face up. I broke oh, this yeah. tooth. Uh, it happened at work and mm. I collapsed in a toilet. I got up and then I just hit a sink on the way down. Big egg on the head. And that was the kind of the wakening of saying, this is an issue, mate. You've got to address it. Yeah. Um, and I had, had a bit of epiphany. Some other things happened that year and had an epiphany of understanding what my mission was all of a sudden. Oh, so you're not going to get deep on us, are you? Okay, go on. <laughs> I go as deep as you want. But it was, it was strange. I had this epiphical moment of knowing that I had to help others. I had to help others deal with this. Yes. This is something I'd actually been dealing with for many years and had just been hiding it. And I'd come out of this denial and I wanted to help others. And I'd been in this industry and it was kind of, it all happened at the same time. Yeah. It, it, was, it was kind of like some kind of force of nature caused this fit and this kind of horrendous injury mm. to wake me up that actually, Cal, you need to be doing this. You need to be educating people. You've got a lot of knowledge on this and you need to be sharing that. It's exactly, well, very similar to what happened to me, you know, after... Oh my God, the stint in psych hospital, but after the, sur the you know, surgery, you realize that how lucky you are to know what you already do and have the passion and ability to be able to take in um, what is being said from both sides. So like the side of the person with epilepsy, but those are the scientists, the neurologists and stuff like that, and kind of squish it together in a presentable way for everybody else. I feel like kind of that's what you're doing with us now. Cannabis is not a silver bullet, right? And that is the big thing. Everybody at the moment, there's this big buzz around it that it's a silver yeah. bullet, it's going to cure the world. It's yeah. got some fantastic properties. It does some amazing things. Work on cancer. That is mind-blowing. Um, as actually chemotherapy. That There is um, a whole following of a Rick Simpson oil. I would look that up and do your own research on it and go from there. And then look up papers. There is... A lot of evidence for it but epilepsy again there's plenty of evidence for it we've um at the beginning of last year um well it's about this time we're nearly coming up to a year we formed medcan support group um which is for parents with children with refractory epilepsy mm -hmm. now you may have heard of alfie digley and hannah deakin her, she's a big campaigner absolutely inspirational woman the woman blows my mind i remember the first time i saw her spoken i i cried because she moved me that much. She, mm. her, her passion, her professionalism, her, you can feel the anger she's got, but at the same time, how she is gonna go about this to get this changed. And she, we formed a group together with uh, Matt Hughes as well. And we support other parents with children with refractory epilepsy and them using cannabis-based products prescribed uh, on private prescriptions that they get. And yes. if they're wanting to try it, and you know, some of them have obviously had to feel that they have to go to the black market because that's the only place they can afford to get it from. Yes. There's others that will use CBD oils, which are from the wellness sector. Um, so there's a breadth of people in there. And just giving that support of other people with, you know, other families dealing with epilepsy. You understand where you're coming from and understand, I'm sure people are not going to be offended by the term I use, desperation, because yeah. that's what it is. Um, 
I've noticed, and I actually had a conversation with a lovely mum of um, a very, well, not baby, almost a toddler, little girl who had refractory epilepsy. She's still having the occasional seizure, but she'd gone down from 300 a day to about two a day as the result of the specific individualized mixture of different oils originating from cannabis imported from, um, I think it was Netherlands. Yep. and costing her an absolute fortune which yes. is disgusting um and which she's not able yet to get from the uk has had to take a bulk order from over there which is was legal but they don't know what the future holds well we've had a problem with brexit at the moment so the parents within the group um and the particular oil i believe you'll be talking about it'll be the bedrolite and the bedrocan oils and these are what is known as a full plant extract so I like to give the analogy if you think about this like sugar. So sugar comes from sugar beet. So mm -hmm. you've got the beet as the whole plant. That's the whole thing. Pull it or the sugar cane that's chopped down. That is in it, you know, in the rawest kind of form. It's that is then processed into a syrup, molasses, which has got all still all the compounds in there. So it, it's got everything in. It's got warts and all, you know, uh, cellulose, the lot. Okay. And then that refines down and then we find that further to sugar, which is sucrose on its own. Okay. So that, that sucrose is what's known as an isolate. Mm -hmm. So you get CBD, the individual compound on its own. That's an isolate. You've, but cannabis, grow, is, when it's grown, has got over 140 different cannabinoids. Now, people listening to this, that. <laughs> they'll probably know of THC and CBD. CBD and that is it. That is all people know of, yeah. Well, there's loads more. You've got CBC, you've got CBG, you've got your THCVs. Oh, you have got hundreds, as I say, over 140 of those. You've then got terpenes, which everyone knows what terpenes are. It's the smells you get. When yeah. you open a mango up and it, you can smell that, that's yeah. myrcene. When you open a lemon up and you, that, that, that citrusy smell, mm -hmm. that's limonene. Well, cannabis mm -hmm. is full of those as well. And right. these have medicinal properties. Mm -hmm. So the one that everyone knows is lavender that aids with sleep. Yeah. So, what well, you know, you've got the terpene that was within there that aids with sleep. Well, that same terpene is within cannabis as well. But you've got lots of different ones. So you've got lots of different uh, of these smells, these aromas, these terpenes. Then you've got these cannabinoids. And they all come in different quantities. So each plant is different. Yes. And it works differently for every different person, just like apples. And you get Granny Smith apples and you get yeah. Pink Lady apples. Yeah. You so, you, so you get different, basically different varieties of cannabis that provide different things. So you're not going to get all these 140 odd um, things from one species, one, one type. You're well, gonna... Chemovar, we call them in the scientific world. Oh, darling, do you say that again? What was that word? Chemovar. Oh, my goodness. OK, guys, <laughs> write that one down. Ping dong. <laughs> <laughs> strain's the common name it's just another strain oh well i'm you know i'm not being common darling so you know, <laughs> continue with your long words <laughs> i love them <laughs> go on so yeah um you've got different plants so the everyone knows hemp 
Everyone knows about that. And that's been bred for its fibre. So that's got so really good, really long stems. That's what you're interested in there, mm. the fibrous side of it. But you've got the, the, the actual uh, medicinal side of it and the, the recreational side of bread plants with higher THC and higher CBD levels and mm. higher levels of these cannabinoids in there and higher and different ratios of terpenes for different diseases and right. different strains work well for different diseases. Yep. So for example, a lot of people find CBD works brilliantly for epilepsy. So we need high levels of that. But for another person for say pain or they're wanting to increase sleep, they'd need something like CBN in there, which helps with sleep, uh, is more sedative. So well, that is actually very relatable though, actually to epilepsy because of it's such a common seizure trigger, not getting enough sleep, right? Yeah, and this is one of the big things of why I will use it is to, to aid sleep on a night so that I am making sure I'm getting a good night's sleep and I do know if I, if I don't. Mm. Um, I've recently acquired my own private prescription now. Oh, um, wow. Uh, that, that went through the whole process of that. And that was very interesting. Um, being within the world of, you know, I, I go into cultivation facilities and I've, I've seen a whole breadth of produce that's there. What I saw come through was quite disappointing. Um, it was not, it looked very dry. It looked very, um, it was pre-ground and things. Now, usually it will come as a flower and will be very aromatic. All these terpenes in there are part of the experience as well. Yeah. Um, but no, the, the actual going through the process was very easy. Um, the issue was the cost. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's cost me nearly £400 for the prescription and the appointments as well. And then I've got to have follow-up appointments on top of that. And then another prescription. So... so the, but if this is a formal professional prescription, then do you not get that on the NHS? No, the NHS doesn't cover this at the moment. And this is part of what uh, MedCan support are also campaigning for, is access on the NHS. It, these children need these oils. Well, not just children, but, but yes, of course, those are the, the people we think of initially because especially the rare epilepsies can cause such an awful number of and severity of seizures. But, you know, adults too, like yourself. I mean, I can understand why they wouldn't prescribe me on the NHS because of the cost of it. But there, there are children who do need this and they should take that exception to be prescribing this on the NHS because of when you see the difference in the quality of life these children have when they, you know, they've got their cannabis oil. And then the issue at the moment, as you were saying with, with what you've obviously seen, is that a change in medication can cause problems. You'll know yourself when you change medication. Mm. Yeah. There's always there's hiccups on the road. And yeah, it's like, you see, just peekaboo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just goes, ha ha! And yeah. Um. So changing oils can do that. And okay. at the moment, at the moment, what we've had with Brexit is, is the prescriptions that were initially being wrote are no longer valid because of Brexit occurring. So they won't accept them or they won't honour them from the Netherlands. And it's, it's very frustrating. And other oils are now being offered, which is fantastic. And it's, it's very commendable. But these parents know that these particular oils and these ratios work and there needs to be more transparency about this full plant extract, about all of them, so that we know what cannabinoids are in there, what ratio they're at, and what terpenes right. are in there. 
needs to be more transparent. This is not a simple medication. I do find myself a bit concerned with a lot of people I come across who say, do you know what? I'm either, well, either use this as an excuse to smoke a spliff or, and a lot of them, uh, or they'll go to Holland and Marriott and just get whatever they want off the, like, because they've got that unregulated, I believe, um, uh, what would you call it? But you can basically buy a bottle of CBD um, tablets or something off the shelf. We don't know how much CBD is on them. We don't know the proportions. Um, I do wonder how much maybe placebo effect, if that positively impacts people. Things we don't know, right? So unless things are more transparent and eff effectively regulated, only then can we, I think, give people or provide people with the most effective treatment. We need to have options for everyone. And those who, you know, it, it needs that transparency is the big thing. Yeah. It is definitely, and, and the need for lab analysis and knowing what you're getting. At the moment, there's regulation starting to be put into place um, for the CBD market, but that's really focusing on these, what, what is known as isolate, and full plant extracts are kind of being pushed aside. Now, there is a big difference, and there's been many studies to show um, that there's actually a difference between isolate and you're needing 10 times the amount of isolate CBD in comparison to full plant extract. Um, Canada's decades ahead of us, um, absolutely decades. Israel, again, there is hard data there. There's hard research, which for some reason the UK medical profession or, or the government or, you know, are just going, no, no, it doesn't count. It doesn't count this. There isn't enough research. What would you suggest to people who are listening to this now? Because it's quite a frustrating thing to hear, right? Yeah. What would you suggest? Awareness, is it? Right. The, one of the well, other yeah, issues. But also to people who are well, are desperate, either for themselves or for their child or family member. And we're hearing there is evidence to show, empirical evidence to show that derivatives of the cannabis plant can positively impact the lives of people with epilepsy and uncontrolled seizures, but you can't access it. So what are we saying to these people? I would recommend you go to your doctor and take papers with you. Take scientific journals that talk about your condition and CBD and THC and cannabis as a whole. Take five papers with you and you can search it on Google Scholar. If you yep. put epilepsy in, cannabis, epilepsy and CBD, any of those, put that into Google Scholar and you will come up with hundreds of papers, right? And pull some of them out, take them to your doctor and ask them to explain them. And I found this to be positive. The more times doctors get asked with evidence, Yes. Force them to teach themselves about it. It will force them to go get the education. And the more doctors who see the actual positive benefits of this, the more chance we've got of getting things changed. That is, is what I would advise to everyone to do. Um, I would look at these private clinics. Um, they are they are expensive. And if, you, if it's a route you want to go down, um, but don't come off of any of your medication. Don't decide to stop taking anything you've already always talk to your doctor before you know reducing down any medication that was that my... not a good idea many years ago i'm just so fed up with this medication it doesn't work f it not a good idea no no don't be doing that you know do, do, you know 
do some research. There's plenty of research out there. Um, there is the... different sources, I think, as well, isn't it? Because yes. even within, you know, in scientific papers, it can be, I think, with practice, easy to identify some sort of bias. So it's really good to compare those papers. And if you're not sure, take a, a variety, as you were saying, to your GP. And they have uh, ethical and I think legal responsibility to accept what, the information you're providing them with and consider it. Um, and I would also say that to manage expectation, don't necessarily yeah. expect it just like that. <laughs> yes, that, you know, you really summed it up there. Managing expectation. This is not a complete silver bullet. It's one tool, you know, mm. and, and there's lots of parents. I'm lucky enough, I don't need to take AEDs, but I have to do a lot of lifestyle changes, you know, right. be in bed by 10 o'clock watching what I'm eating and, th you know, I have to manage all of that. Um, but I manage it as well, as I say, with cannabis. That is my medication. And you're not on um, stereotypical anti-seizure medications as a result, correct? Yes. yes. I totally agree um, with lifestyle. Since I have been getting the sleep that I need, trying to chill out, don't get me wrong, stress is in life, especially these days, but... I'm just chilling and I haven't had a tonic-clonic in about three years now because of that. Mm. Not because, I mean, there've been other little rude word seizures around, but not the tonic-clonic. So that just shows the impact that lifestyle change has, right? Massive. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't agree more. It's, and it's good to hear that, you know, three years is brilliant and it, it's such a, yes, three years. Isn't it? I never thought that would happen, you know, you know, so, and yeah, you think, oh, if surgery doesn't, you know, work, work, it worked, but it didn't stop them, then nothing is going to, well, do you know what? Get enough sleep, chill out. And these things don't happen overnight. A bit like, you know, even if a person uses um, cannabis derivatives, they needn't expe uh, expect differences overnight, I presume. Yeah, yeah. Look, look for some people, it does. It, this is very, very specific to the person as well. We've got in our us the endocannabinoid system, which isn't actually taught at, um, in medical school for some bizarre reason. Um, but again, you can look it up, the endocannabinoid system, and it's, it, it's kind of what can the communication between the central nervous system and your endocrine system. So it's, it's, it's the communication between those two. So it, it's, it's quite a complex kind of system, but it, it, it's what calms us down after we've had uh, a lot of stress in our lives. It's what, what, you know, causes the, the levels to drop back down um, to kind of sum it up very quickly. It's a very layman's term, a way of putting it when it's, it's a lot deeper, but you know, the doctors aren't taught about this. So how can they prescribe something which targets this if they've never even heard of it? So that's another thing to do is get yourself you know, read up on the endocannabinoid system and ask your doctor about it. Ask, the more we ask them, the more they're going to be forced to educate themselves. And I was, yeah, totally. And I would also add, um, this can be quite hard to do, especially when you are desperate, just try to remain calm and not aggressive with them because they are humans too. And yeah. then people will go up and it's like, see you later, mate. So, you know, I, I mean, I really feel the desperation. I, I really do. But I think if you go in with these papers and almost expect them to kind of turn you away, so you might, you know, and then, okay, do it again and ask for a, a referral to somebody else who might take it seriously. And you might have to do that 
again but it's just you know it's not personal just do it and that's what i've learned as a patient like okay you're not happy you pay taxes right in national insurance so ask for a re-referral and there's actually a chap um uh neurologist neuroscientist reese thomas and he even said in an interview a call we did last year if you don't like your neurologist that's or don't get on fine ask for a re uh, referral to somebody else i yeah. said i won't be offended so just do that and just remain as calm as possible and also i think is what's really important is for mums and dads carers anybody who loves or cares for somebody affected by epilepsy especially those with refractory seizures is to value your own health as well and yes. and make it very clear that the controlling of the person's seizures the person that you love is going to be a benefit not only to that individual but to you to your family whatever and I think this is a really important argument. Well, we could go on forever, but why treatment for epilepsy is crucial. Prevention, um, management, because again, it's not just you and I with the epilepsy. It's the people that care for you that are so negatively impacted. And yeah, um, yeah. so I, I would write all this stuff down. That's what I do whenever I go to an appointment, everything down, like you said, the papers, bring them along, yeah. you know. Yep. It can't have evidence. They can't turn it away. So that's the key. That is the key. If people want to get hold of you, how do they do so? If they want to look up you, look up your lab, um, if they want to find out more information, how should they do it? So, oh, we're going to be launching the website soon. Uh, Ooh, that, that's coming. What will your URL be? Tell us. Uh, it'll be Dr. Uh, Callie Seaman. Mm. Dot com. Um, your favourites, everybody. Um, and but at the moment uh, we've got uh, probably the best place is Instagram or I don't tweet don't tweet a lot I can't get into Twitter uh, contact me on LinkedIn again look up Dr Callie Seaman if you just put Dr Callie the hair's the hair's different in your photo yeah I've got to I've got to get them all consistent at some point sometimes it's short but it was red and now we've gone more auburn. Oh, there yeah. you go. You're brave. Oh, and look up uh, Aqualabs as well. That's uh, the company website. So if you're interested in the work that I'm doing, there'll be some stuff on there. But as I say, my website will be coming soon, which will be lots and lots of different things. So there'll be about epilepsy. There'll be about uh, uh, growing cannabis. There'll be all sorts of on there. Um, you know, going through everything. It's going to be, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited. And you're making me think, and I'd be interested in viewers' thoughts on this, about having because we have a page on epilepsy sparks which is about research so we've got labs and stuff maybe we should have a little bit just for cannabis research because it's such a huge topic what do you think i think it's a fabulous idea and i think it you know and a bit to be balanced research so it's it's to be a nice it's to be balanced to be from all sides of you know as i say getting those experiences there's plenty of papers out there there's lots of, there's hundreds in fact thousands thousands that's what science is it's looking at the whole spectrum and accumulating that information to make decisions upon rather than being so biased and afraid of what you don't know because yeah. there's a bit of hypocrisy going on i think within the sphere of epilepsy shall i say but i'll leave it there <laughs> Today, I thank Dr. Kelly Seaman for her time and for sharing with us factual information about the cool research she is leading into cannabis as a medical treatment. For more information about Kelly and her exciting research, you can find links in the description below. Follow me on Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook, and we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts about today's show. 
do subscribe to our podcast and know that we are always trying to improve what we are doing here for the program. I'm Tori Robinson. Thanks for listening.